following podcast contains spoilers and words like G, whiz, and gosh damn it. We watch it. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. This week, once again, I'm luckily enough to be joined by a patron of the show. Top-level patrons get to come on as a guest. And last time this gentleman came on, he chose Tarsem Singh's first film, The Fall. And this week, we're continuing. We're continuing with the Tarsem run, aren't we, mate? We did. Although last was The Cell. (laughs) Yeah, COVID brain. (laughs) I'll fix that in post. Fix everything in post. <laughs> How you been, mate? What have you been up to? Oh, dealing with floods. Thankfully, not personally, but um, yeah, there's a little bit of damp around New South Wales at the moment, as you might have heard. Um, yes. But no, good, healthy, happy. Nice, nice. Well, let's get right into it then. The Fall is a 2006 adventure fantasy film directed and co-written by Tarsem Singh. It stars Lee Pace, Katinka Untaru, and Justin Waddell. And what is it about, Dave? Well, (laughs) it's a story about the art of storytelling, Billy. Yes, I love that that's how you described it. That's exactly Um, what I would have said. It's, um, I'll I'll be a little bit more straightforward. Um, It follows a young girl named Alexandria who is in a hospital um, early in the 10, 1920, something like that. And she's in a hospital with a broken arm that she's suffered falling while picking oranges and encounters a bedridden uh, stuntman who was injured on the set of a film. And he proceeds to regale her with stories, much yeah. in the way Peter Falk regales a young Fred Savage. <laughs> I know it did. It felt very reminiscent to that, actually. It's, um, there's a really similar sort of corollary between the two in that in that framing structure. Yeah, I think obviously this has a lot more to the framing story. Yeah, um, you know, this is more than just him telling her stories. But I th- I agree with you. I think this this is a film about. Th- that's what I love about this film as as a film geek, and as a you know a fan of stories in general. This is just a love letter from start to finish to film and filmmaking and yeah. storytelling. It's it's it's, it's fucking a, a, a phenomenal. Shrek would say it's it's got layers like an onion. Yeah, I can't believe I'd never heard of this film. I'd no literally never even heard of it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's one of those things you go onto IMDb or whatever, and it's just you know a whole bunch of five star reviews from you know a handful of people who say it's their favorite thing of all time, and. Then there's no one. Or I think it was in an interview with Ebert years and years ago. Tarsum said there's three versions of any story. There's the version that the storyteller tells. There's the version that the audience hears. And then there's the version that that audience retells to other people. That is um, fucking beautiful. <laughs> and oh I think that, that nails this film completely because what Roy is telling Alexandria is not what she's picturing in a lot of yep. ways. She's hearing the words and using her frame of reference to sort of populate what's happening. And it's there's a lot of disconnect there. He, his story is being drawn from his experience. And so when he talks about an Indian and, start, and, and his squaw and his wigwam, she yep. pictures, the you know, an Indian- from India. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because that's 
her frame of reference. And it, it's yeah. just chock full of stuff like that. There's so much going on. It's it's really quite incredible. It is. And we spoke about Tarsum's visual style with The Cell. Mm. This, to me, one-ups it oh, 100%. Yeah. The visual language in this film is gorgeous. Like, And I could almost happily take either the framing story or the told story in this film and watch just that on its own. Like, I think yeah. they both have such a distinct visual look to them, which works so well for what what the story itself is doing. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. And I, I he'll never watch it because there's a child, but <laughs> I, I would challenge Topher to find fault with Alexandria as a as a child performance because she is a oh delight. I, I mean, yes, I was going to- She might be the best child performance I've ever seen. Mm. And, I, and has, I looked her up. Only as far as she's I can tell, she's, yeah, she's done nothing else since. She really is just a Romanian-born child that they just mm. kind of pulled in to act in this film. And she had such heart. It's crazy. And I think there's a lesson in this to other directors who have children in their films. Because I'm usually with Topher, the child- Actors suck. They're they're usually awful. Um, even the our beloved Jurassic Park. Oh, they don't you besmirch Jurassic Park? <laughs> oh no! How dare I mean, you? I like them, and particularly that he has that the boy has some great lines, but they're not good. Oh, job. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, ha- the lesson for directors. Where are you on Haley Joel Osment? I would need to watch Sixth Sense. I haven't seen that since it came out because I'm just such an avid disliker of fucking M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> Ding Dong. I can't stand the pretentious twat. So I Ugh. I need to go back and watch it because I did like that film. In fact, I liked all these films up to The Village, including The Village. But yeah, right. since yep. then, woof. Um, <laughs> apart from Split, Split was good. Um, yeah. But no, what I was going to say, a lesson to directors is don't give children that age a script. Yep. yep. She didn't have a script. She ad-libbed everything she did in that film, and he built the scenes around what she said. Right. And that's I actually, why I she's didn't so know that, natural. but that is genius. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's incredibly natural. She had no idea, for example, that Lee Pace could walk. Tarsum kept right. him in the bed for the- He filmed the hospital stuff first. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll get to this product because it's, it's, it's almost a- mythic the way he created this film over six years but he filmed the hospital stuff first in i think south africa in one block yeah. and yeah, I, I saw the list of countries this film was filmed in i and it's think like there's 20 or something. that's countries. insane <laughs> um but yeah so so this uh, i think it was a mental hospital in south africa that he filmed all the hospital stuff up front um as one shoot for over uh, three four weeks or something um she couldn't speak any English when they started. Right. And apparently, <laughs> she's so sharp. She started learning English, but she was learning it with an Indian accent because she was listening to Tarsum. So, he had to put more <laughs> Romanians around her to try and de-accent her. Um, but no one on set knew Lee Pace could walk. He kept Lee Pace in bed the entire time so it didn't confuse uh, Katinka because six years old, she's- yeah, the whole process yeah. of making a movie was probably a bit foreign because she'd never done it before. Um, so she didn't know he could walk. Apparently, one of the um, makeup people saw Lee Pace stand up and almost fainted at one point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, 
he gave Katinka the, the framework of, of, you know, this is what's happening. And that's why a lot of their stuff is with sheets sort of a, 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 around his bed. So yeah. she didn't see the cameras or anything and, and the crew wasn't distracted. Yeah. Um, and she would do whatever she did. And <clears throat> Lee Pace would sort of respond to it, knowing the direction that the scene needed to take. So he was sort of ad-libbing a fair bit as well. Yeah. And then- Things would happen and Tarson would just build the movie around them. Apparently, when he was writing it, he didn't have a script when they started filming because he wanted the child's imagination to help guide yeah. the, the story. Um, so, the bit uh, where he writes out morphine and does kind of the curly E and she thinks it's a three, that was just her misreading. That wasn't wow. scripted. And then Tarson just had her get three pills and he just- yeah added that in based on her thinking it was a three and that it, it, apparently that was sort of all the way through was sort of stuff like that where he would just sort of shape things so that nothing that she was saying was rehearsed or she was trying to remember she was just responding to things in her sort of stilted half understood English yeah um and yeah he would sort of build the scenes around it which is I mean, that's, just an that's astonishing just way genius. to approach it well, that's just genius filmmaking. I think that that's a lesson that people can learn as well from something like that is, you know, the value of improvisation and from allowing your actors to have an input to story. You know, it doesn't even need to be to this level necessarily. No, but I mean, half the problem but- with child actors is they're, they're not natural because they're trying to remember a line. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. If yeah. you let them just kind of say stuff and then build around it, it's always yeah. going to be a more natural delivery. And, I mean, this, this okay, to be fair, that won't work with every film because no. some films do have a tighter structure. But this is the perfect film to play with filmmaking like that because yeah. the storytelling, it feels like the fun of someone making up a story on the spot. Like, that's the yeah. joy of this film. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I mentioned is um that the hospital stuff was up front. This and I remember you saying, and I, I think, and I, I hate to draw a connection between this and Moonfall, but I b- <laughs> think it was Moonfall where you you said, "Oh, weirdly enough, it's an independent film." Yes, um, yeah. which this is as well. Tarsum funded yep. the entire thing himself because no one would give him money for it, um, and that's why it took him something like six years to make it <laughs> because yeah, right. He, he did the hospital shit up front, and. Then he would, because he was in demand as a commercial maker, he would take jobs in the countries where he wanted to shoot stuff for the fall. <laughs> and so he would, you know, take a job in, you know, United Arab Emirates or in Romania or in any one of the other 32 countries that he filmed in. <laughs> and when he finished the commercial shoot, he would just pay the crew an extra couple of weeks and go and film in whatever weird-ass location he wanted for a scene for the fall. Yeah. And that's why you don't have Alexandria in most of it. Is that there's only a couple of locations to yeah. right towards the end where she sort of appears as the mini bandit. Yeah. Um, because obviously you can't fly a six-year-old all over the world. Um, <laughs> but that's – yeah, and that's how he funded it. He'd take a commercial job. Yeah. And save money by just keeping the same crew – save on travel costs and all of the, you know, yeah. stuff that normally makes yeah. a movie like this really expensive. Yeah. And 
so it took him, you know, six years or whatever it was to piece all of these incredible because there's, I mean, he claimed that there's apparently no CG in this at all. There's no effect yeah. shots in the entire film. It's that. all locations and costuming and everything else. Um, and he just, I don't know, give give award all the awards to whoever the location scout was because there's yeah. some just unearthly places that you can't really believe are real. Yeah. Um, it's stunning. The look of this film is just beautiful. It it reminded me of one of my favorite old adventure films, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. You know, just the the location work and everything. Were you gonna were you gonna laugh because that's a bad movie? Hell no. <laughs> that's one of Harryhausen, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, is Topher hated it when a bad word said about Harryhausen? Because <laughs> um, it reminded me of that. Just the beautiful location work in this film, mm. and you can tell that there's not a CG shot in this film, and fuck, it adds to it. And you know. It's funny because I did have that thought in the back of my head. Like when I first started doing visual effects and working for houses, I was I was myself surprised at how much VFX work there is these days. And the and majority of I've heard it you say most sets. of it's stuff you don't notice. It's just kind of yeah. extending the sight line it, yeah. and Exactly. I'll never forget one of my first days on the job was with Animal Logic in Sydney, the company who did Great Gatsby not mm. long before I had worked with them. And they were <laughs> They were showing their reel and about, yeah, yeah, Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> they were showing their reel and showing us how that wasn't a real mansion at all. It was no, it was all I fake. remember something about that. Yeah, incredible. And uh, and because they were saying, you know, because CG is cheaper. It's cheaper yep. to CG a background these days than it is to build a physical location. And I had that in my mind the whole time I was watching this film. And the stunning locations and set pieces and landscapes, and it's like. It, it makes absolute sense that that was funded by commercial jobs because I don't know how else you could do it. It looks beautiful. It it it, may, it makes me want to travel. Yeah, because there, are, I mean, there's some of the locations. Um, I mean, they're they're all breathtaking. The dunes, the some of those massive dunes where um, the cameras seemingly about a, two kilometers away. You just got these tiny figures in this immense lens. It's all amazing, but. There's one, um, I think it's when they get close to uh, to Odious's place and there's almost this MC Escher building of staircases all going in different directions and they've got people yes. running up all of them. And you, you'd swear that's got to be one guy on a staircase. Yeah. And then CG. <laughs> but it's not. That's actually a place that is built like that. And it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. You know, some of the large kind of uh, temples and stuff that are that are used later in the film, just fucking beautiful. Mm. And and um, <laughs> I love this. He he wanted um, because of the the desert's all really orange and it's all really warm colors. He wanted that um, city to be really blue. Yeah, and it wasn't because it's in the desert and all the houses were faded and everything. Um, so apparently he gave the entire place blue paint and, <laughs> and they all painted their houses. So wow. he, you get, you've got this sea of blue houses because he just gave them paint and said, here you go, paint your house. <laughs> See, that's that's the kind of filmmaking stories that I just love 
to hear that kind of real guerrilla filmmaking. Just we'll just we'll just get this town to paint their houses yeah. blue. Like, we can't afford CG. We're just gonna have to make do. We, we want yeah. the houses oh. blue. How do you normally make a house blue? That's, that's <laughs> fucking brilliant. Oh man, that's so good. <laughs> you know who, who we we haven't really touched on yet. It, as far as talking about the acting goes, Lee Pace is also incredible in this film. And oh, he's I did not, I did not know that so much of this film was improvised, but fuck, that just gives you an even deeper level of respect for him he's, to, he's a, to work I mean, I so know. closely with this six-year-old and get that before, you know, like, yeah. obviously Tarsim did a lot, but let's face it. Oh, it's the two is, of them. Their, their chemistry is, yes, is amazing. Absolutely. This film hangs on the chemistry and relationship between those two. Like, you believe it's real. And he's and, got to do some pretty adult stuff emotionally oh, yeah. toward, as it goes a bit further on when he sort of comes clean about um, – the fact that he was just manipulating her to get morphine and- Yeah, but to that kill it's, himself, it's a, basically. <laughs> and, and I mean, she- I mean, she may not have understood half of what was going on but at that age, but that's that's some raw stuff when he's, you know, mm. breaking down and you can tell that he's suicidal and that mm. then filters into the story and he starts killing off all the characters because he wants yeah. to die and- yeah. It's 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 some rough stuff to do, I can imagine to do when you're acting against a a six year old who doesn't yeah. speak a whole lot of English as well. Yeah, and it's so grim. But there's something. Uh, maybe it's just my love of storytelling, but there's something so uplifting in this film as well. I think that by the end you're almost crying happy tears, almost yeah. like you know, and that that almost final moment where. They're in the hospital and they're playing his film and he's realizing that like his his big jump, the bit that landed him in hospital and everything, Got didn't even mind. make didn't even make the film. There's another stuntman, it's not him. It just yep. doesn't happen. Yep. And and there's something in his face that I, I don't know. It's it's almost beautiful for some reason. Yeah. It's like he, he's sort of I I've, you know, gone as low as a human can go and, you know, become <laughs> suicidal and everything. And it was all for nothing. Yeah. I've been fretting over something that never even made it to the screen. What an idiot yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, it's re it's really touching in those moments. Yeah. I love the, um, and I don't think I even picked it up the first time I watched it because I was much like with The Cell the first time, you're just kind of a gog at the visual tapestry of the whole thing. But, um. The way his story is just chock full of what he, at that point in time, would have been surrounded by. Because he's stuck in a bed. He can't go anywhere. He's been there for, for weeks. All yeah. he's got is newspapers and what people tell him. So, he's got stuff um, from the time. So, you've got Darwin and his monkeys, Wallace. And yeah. that's George Wallace. I think it's George Wallace, the, the one who was butting heads with- Darwin over who actually wrote, came up with evolution first. Yeah, um, right. Yep. You've got um, Otabengu, the, the the freed slave who was, and I had to look this up because it, I'd heard it referred to in an interview ages ago, but apparently um, at that time there was a African freed slave, I think, who was being paraded around in a zoo yeah. with a bow and arrow. And was sort of all over the news, and you know, come and see the savage native sort of thing. Um, yeah. So you've got a freed slave with a bow and arrow, and it's all this stuff that he would have pulled out of 
you know, the newspapers that he was exposed to. And, and yeah. he's got an Indian because he's, you know, 50% of all the movies were Westerns back then. So he's got yeah. Indians on the brain. And then you've got her hearing those words and then populating it visually with her own stuff. So the Indian yeah. becomes an Indian, like, like we said, but all of the characters are people she knows from around the hospital because she can't go anywhere yeah. either. She's been stuck there for weeks with her broken arm. So you've got the doctor and you've got the orderly as Darwin and you've got the, the, the ice delivery guy as the slave. And, <laughs> yeah. And that wonderful bit where <laughs> she says, why has the bandit got a Spanish accent? <laughs> she's like, why well, is your father? He's like, but <laughs> what did she say? My father's dead or whatever. And then suddenly it's Lee Pace's the bandit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's genius. And, I mean, that, that supporting cast are all fantastic as well, those those players as, as the other members of this group. That's oh, a wonderful, considering, I mean, within the, the framework of the story, obviously, they've got sort of fairly two-dimensional, but but they're really clearly defined characters. You've got the explosives guy, you've yeah, got yeah. Darwin. But in yeah, the yeah. hospital, everyone has a, a character, even if, yeah. they, you know, some of them only have one line or you've you know, got old dentures guy who doesn't really have any lines, but he's still got personality. Yeah. He's still a character. Um, and particularly the interactions with Alexandria, I think, are just delightful from all of them. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I mean, the ice guy who's always telling her not to lick the ice. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> like a hospital is the last place you should be licking ice. Oh, yeah. I just, just I, I it, all I can think of when I see that block of ice is <laughs> um, million ways to die in the West, <laughs> the um, uh, Seth MacFarlane film, yeah, <clears throat> where the giant block of ice is being delivered to the Western <laughs> town. It falls, and crushes the guy's head, and then the next day they're they're all having ice. And Seth MacFarlane's like, they used the ice. <laughs> I think that was an underrated film. I actually I really love it. dig Seth I think MacFarlane. It's, I think it's a great comedy. I, I love this. He's a very, very that. clever man. Yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> Screw the naysayers. It's damn funny. <laughs> I mean, there's there's always um, my beloved Aiko Ishioka. I reckon <laughs> this is possibly her best work costume-wise. Up there with Mirror Mirror. Um, I think some of the stuff is just incredible. Um, yeah. The, yeah. There's that one scene, um, and I think it's where the bandit, uh, discovers that his brother's the, the his brother the blue bandit's been killed, and there is that got to be fifty foot tall curtain in the middle of the desert that just yeah. the blood from the body just starts slowly seeping up it and gets you know two three stories up it just in, and to think it's all practical I'm just, uh, incredible stuff it's such yeah. a striking image I, I agree I watched this film first before I watched the cell and. The reason I did that in actually is because I thought I would like this less. I don't know why. I knew nothing about it. I just thought, oh, I'll get this out of the way and you know, and then I'll watch the cell. <laughs> Fucking pal and your stupid movie. <laughs> and I, well, no, I mean, you've you've never steered as wrong. I've loved every Patreon pick you've come to the show with, which is not something Tofa could say, because from memory he he hasn't, but don't like even you- bring up <laughs> Tofa's response. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I loved this movie. I 
I was so, so into it. I mean, from the first minute where you have the black and white slow-mo footage of How the How gorgeous itself. is that intro, by the way? I, I should have it's mentioned stunning. it. Beautiful. It's, it's just stunning. And- Words, I don't think words can describe how slow-mo that is. Like, <laughs> I actually, out of out of curiosity, I bumped it up to double speed for a couple of shots, and it was still not real time. Wow. So, it's like, it's it's slower it's than super 200%. Slow. Yeah, it's, it's very, very slow. And yet, it's not boring, which is, so, I, I don't know how Tarsum pulled that off. This sequence is maybe four minutes long. Mm. It's, it's just- Black and white slow mo shots of of him falling in and people you know and the him weird up thing and- the weird thing is you don't know what's ha- or I, me, me personally I had no idea what was happening in it it was no, just same. it was just beautiful images it wasn't until later in the film that yep. I was able to sort of mentally backtrack and go oh that was the accident that was him falling yes. and that was the horse and that was and it all made sense but at the time it, you know it's just like this visual love letter to silent film. Yes. With no yes, story, which it, makes yeah. it all the more incredible that you're sort of riveted to it because you don't even know what's going on. Exactly. It is such a perfect, perfect way to start this film, I think. Yeah. So, here's a question for you. What is The Fall? Like, like what does the title allude yeah. to? I mean, fuck, that's is, an interesting is it one question, thing, isn't it? You could, you could dig into that for hours. Because <laughs> she <laughs> fell and broke her arm and picking oranges. He fell off with the horse and the thing. Yeah. He fell into addiction. Yeah. He fell from grace. He fell. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's so many falls. They're falling all over the joint. <laughs> Fucking, they need new shoes or something. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I, I had the exact same thought while watching it, and I thought I should try come up with an answer, and I, I couldn't. <laughs> like, I think, you know, and it's so, it's, I think it's almost obvious to say, oh, well, you know, it's a metaphorical fall, you know, like they're, mm. they're falling emotionally as much as they are physically there but i don't even i just i don't know how i could describe it <laughs> what about you do you have an answer no no <laughs> <laughs> it was just saying it, it occurred to me while I'm watching it um one thing we haven't touched on um is colin watkinson the cinematographer oh yeah well wow yes. okay um yeah and this is a guy who Again, like with Ishioka, you would think based on the quality of this, because this is some stunning shit, um, he would be a name like, you know, Deacons or Greg Fraser or one of these people that's, well, it's, you know, top of the heap. But he's not done a lot. He's done some other stuff with with Tarsum. He did, um, I know he did Tarsum's Wizard of Oz miniseries, Emerald City, which is- Bloody good, also with Vinnie D'Onofrio as the that wizard. Was Tarsum. Okay, I have seen that. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you go back and watch that again, having seen some of Tarsum, it, it, it's really, really apparent. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, other than that, the only thing because I did look him up because I thought I, I, I assumed it was going to be a big name cinematographer. The only yeah. other thing, <laughs> and I'm the only person who's a fan of this, <laughs> is the never picked up pilot for the Wonder Woman TV series with Adrian Palicki as Wonder Woman and Carrie oh, Elway's right. in it. I never saw that. That was- Oh, um, fuck, I loved it. It was written by the Ali McBeal guy, right? I don't know. Could it be? Maybe. 
Yeah, right. Okay. It's, um, I remember that being a big I thought thing it at the was, time. I, I loved it. I mean, it's hard to look at it without it seeming a little bit sort of campy compared to Gal Gadot and everything now, but it was- it was fabulous stuff, and Adrian Palicki. I'll watch. I'll watch Adrian Palicki peeling potatoes. I couldn't care less. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the only other thing that jumped out at me. I think he did a few episodes of of Handmaid's Tale, but not a great deal. Well, else. I mean, so Handmaid's Tale is. I mean, that is a gorgeous looking fucking striking, show right so, there. But the cinematography in that is genius. Like the symbolism that's in almost every shot of that show. Yeah. Oh, it's just, a, yeah, yeah. But but no other, no other features. So yeah, unless right. he's a prick that no one likes and no one wants to work <laughs> with him, um, it's yeah, it was really surprising because you would think there's your show reel. Oh, some just, of those shots film, in the yeah. desert, boom. Oh, there's, that's that's your CV right there. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It really is. So all in all, how are you scoring the fall? Oh, it's a ten. It's 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 one yeah, of my right, yeah. one of my few automatic five out of fives on Letterboxd. Yeah, um, I, I just can't fault it. I think it's it's unique. It's fabulous stuff. Yeah, I, I'm a nine. I adored this film from start to finish. Which, as I said, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting to. For some reason, I just maybe it was the fact that I'd never heard of it at all. Well, you, there's no indication what it's about from well, no, that's the posters. Right, yeah. or anything. I mean, the posters look good. There's I think one poster that would make you want to see it, which is the desert with that 40-story curtain with the blood seeping up it and just some tiny characters, and that to me looks really striking. Yeah. But most of the marketing was, from memory, centred around close-ups of the bandit face with the mask. And That's the mask the close-up yeah, yeah. looks a little bit goofy. So you see, kind to of- me, mm. To me, there's no reason that this film shouldn't have been a giant hit. You know, like you, you kind of alluded to the Princess Bride at at the start, and yeah. I think that I think the correlations between these two films go deeper than just the framing device. Honestly, like I think even just the nature of the story itself, the the adventure, the 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 fun of and the way film, the like story it, is shaped by the listener as well. Exactly. So you've yeah, got Fred exactly. Savage going, "Tell it right, you're getting." <laughs> Um, yeah. it, and, and Alexandra does much the same thing. Why are you yeah. killing all the people? Why are you making it so sad? <laughs> and it's amazing how much fun this film is able to be, even though it is at times quite grim. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's just- all her. Because the whole film really is, it, it's, Lee Pace isn't the main character. The whole thing's yeah. through Alexandria's eyes. So exactly. You've yeah. got all of these moments of sort of childlike wonder. So very early on, one of those silent film love letter moments yep. where you get that camera obscura thing with the the horse through the keyhole projected onto yeah. the upside down on the wall. And then yep. later you've got her doing shadow puppetry on the wall. All these little moments of sort of childlike wonder and, um, you know, the, the fact that she gets busted throwing oranges at <laughs> the nuns. And <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it's all of those little bits that kind of take away from or balance out the fact of the setting and, you know, yep. is he crippled for life and, the you know, the old dude in the bed next to them dies and, yeah. you know, his addiction and all, you know, that's all grim stuff. But then you've, you've got this child who doesn't get any of that because she's down at child height and with a child's perception yeah. and that that's all completely washes over her. She's just yeah. going around with a little box of happiness and- 
licking ice. Yeah. <laughs> licking ice and throwing oranges at nuns, as you do. Yeah. As you do. I mean, look, we, we were all children once. We licked some ice. We pelted some nuns with fruit. <laughs> uh, Did you, but, have you got a favourite moment? I think towards the end of the film where she becomes the bandit yep. is is very, very fun. Where she, where she <laughs> saves them, where they're all captive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know if I could say I had a favorite moment. I, honestly, the striking images of the first couple of minutes sucked me in. Like, if I was to say my favorite sequence, it would be that opening, um, and then the, the first black and white, or the Alexander the Great black, story. black and white, right? But then also, the first moment he starts telling the epic, and you see these five characters come together. You know, Darwin, the yep. Indian, the Bandit. And that is. There's something beautiful about the cinematography in that moment as well. <laughs> that reminds me, the the of all of the incredible stuff, the bit that most impressed me when I heard there was no CG is the swimming fucking elephants. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot they about ride that. Ride a swimming elephant. Yeah, practical effects, nuts. people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think I think my favorite having and, and I I don't know how many times I've seen this now. It's got to be at least five or six times. My favorite little moment is her saying. You always stop at the same point where it's very, very beautiful. <laughs> I just love it. I mean, yeah, she. I don't think enough can be said about how fantastic she is in this film. Yeah, I, she's I, a delight. Really, really just, you care about her so much, so much. Yeah. yeah. Where, where she thinks that he's died when they're taking the old guy's body out covered and she thinks it's him. That's just yeah. heartrending when she's oh, running yeah. screaming. Wow. Yeah. Well, patron of the show, David Powell, thank you for once again making me watch an excellent, excellent film. Zang. As far as I'm concerned, you've you've proven your taste. I, I can't speak for Topher. <laughs> what did he hate again? It wasn't Night of the Hunter. He hated something. I know I know that he didn't because Night of the Hunter I gave a ten to. In fact, I think that was the first appearance of the B Dizzle's Big Call where I said it was the best film I'd ever seen. That's right. And and I know that he he thought that was very silly. Uh, no, there was something that he really didn't like. I for, I forget. I can't remember but what he, it was. He doesn't he doesn't like a lot of things. His reasoning for leaving the show is still um, Jungle Cruise. He still <laughs> says that 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 was the point for him where he was he, he, he was such a dick. Actually, he was like, you know, I'm 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 just I'm not going to watch bad movies anymore. And I was like, well, you know, we don't we don't have to watch stuff like that. Like it's our show. <laughs> we can watch whatever we want. We could we could do The Godfather every week if that's what you want to do. There's a like, beautiful no, no, just- joy in watching a movie and then just tearing it a new asshole. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well. I, I don't know when this is going to come out. You might have already heard, but we're going to do a marathon of all of Bruce Willis's I know. director. <laughs> <laughs> and that was his idea. That's the thing. So he left the show because of Jungle Cruise, but then he's the one who came to me the other week and was like, you know, it would be See, really that's going to get that's going to get painful because the first yeah. one or two, you'll be laughing at how bad it is and how how much he's phoning it in and how shit it is. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get, because what are there? like nine, 10, 11 of the fucking things. There's eight, yeah, Jesus eight, all Christ. from one year, all and each one worse than the last. When I put them in order to try work out, because I said, you know, like, they're all they sub like four on IMDb, aren't they? Yeah, so the highest one is a four point four. For most actors, that'd be like the nadir of their entire career, but no, yeah. no, that's that's Billy's high, Willie's high point for the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, so silly. <laughs> 
<laughs> but so thank you thank you for not only picking a great film but joining me to talk about it this was That's so much right. fun well it's whenever we get to it next on the tarsome journey we'll be we'll, we'll have a, ca- a cannibal in the mix with army hammer what so what's the next one is the next one next is mirror 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 and uh, correct me if i'm wrong I, th- I think i fucked up when i was talking last week i think i said that was a Cinderella. Oh, you might have done it's, instead of Snow it's White. Snow yeah. White. It's Snow yeah. White, is it? Yeah, Julia Roberts is the the Wicked Queen, and okay. Phil Collins' delightful daughter Lily Collins and is Snow White. Is it is it actually good? I love it. It's my favourite Snow White film ever made. Okay. Oh well, now I'm now I'm excited. Now we've got a now we've got to bump up that recording schedule. It, it, it's <laughs> it's very very funny, um, and it looks. I mean, it it looks. As, as you would expect, you know, from having seen yeah. a couple of his films, it's visually striking. Yeah. Um, well, and very, very funny. Julia Roberts and The Cannibal are both really, really good comic titles. <laughs> the Cannibal. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Hannibal for the entire thing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I asked you this last time, but is there anything at all that you want to, anything that you want to plug, anything that you just want to tell the world while you've got a mic in front of you? Go out and watch Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. If you haven't watched it, I'm rewatching it now. And Jesus, that's a great show. I haven't seen it, it's but re- I it's will add really, it to my really list. Really, really good. And I'm talking the recent, well, not the British Stephen Mangan one that was, I think, only yeah. a, three or four episodes or something. No, this is. There's two seasons of it. Um, it's created, written, and created by Max Landis, who I know is a bit of a persona non grata because he's a horrible human being. But fuck, he's a good writer. It, it's it's hilarious. It's surreal. Um, Elijah Woods just he's like a he's like. Daniel Radcliffe, he's he could have gone the milk the the big franchise and do yeah. big money stuff, and he's done nothing but weird, obscure, yeah. you know, offbeat, you know, uh, maniac and um, the, the US version of uh, what's the bloody dog Australian dog thing, Wilfred, Wilfred, yeah, um, that was, a and then this show, show actually, um, and it's it yeah, Dirk Gently is just it's it's a baller it's a that's a five-star show as far as i'm concerned it just gets better and better it's funny and it's weird so go watch that people i'll, I'll add it to my list we, we've actually been looking for a new show to watch but because we've been sick we weren't feeling like getting into anything new you've so just been we, watching uh, friends haven't you well well we finished <laughs> friends last week and that that was when because you know we we finished like that a warm like, comfy blanket <laughs> And, and when, when we finished it, we watched the reunion special. And then straight afterwards, it just started playing the pilot again. I'm like- I, I loved that reunion again. special. <laughs> me that was me great. too. great. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. the, the women all look like waxworks, but it yeah, was just- Lisa, Lisa Kudrow is very the only good. woman who has aged gracefully. She's still yeah. beautiful. Courtney and And Jennifer. Matt LeBlanc is just a joy. Matt LeBlanc I, is just- he seems All like three of those guys dude. I have so much time for. Yeah, same. And yeah. some of the moments in that reunion- I just found almost brought tears to my eyes. They were so touching when they were walking through the set and stuff and and some of them seeing each other for the first time in like a decade or whatever. I know, yeah. So anyway, we finished Friends and now we've just been watching Property Brothers. (laughs) 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 So we we do need a new show to watch. You do. I'll I'll add add Dirk Gently to the list. (laughs) Yeah, Dirk Gently is good value. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Go watch Dirk Gently.